This is First Samuel 17, 32 through 40. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, but you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from the time of his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep with sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his, out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord will be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. David strapped his sword over his armor. He tried in vain to go, for he did not test them. For he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the brook, and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. We are in the middle of a series about David. It's called David OFW, and if you're new, the O is for obedience, the F is for faith, and the W is for worship. If you have worship and faith in your life, you will find yourself being obedient to the king. That's just how it works. And today's message is called Alive in Giant Country. Anybody got any giants that showed up in their life this week they didn't want there? Just me? Okay. See, part of God's training plan for David involved God placing the young man in some difficult situations, and he does the same with us. See, and in those difficult times, David learned to trust the Lord and to walk in the power of God, not the power of David. David learned the lessons necessary to survive life, and not just to survive, but thrive in life. Thrivival. It's a new word for you. Thrivival. Own it. I am. In my survival, I am going to thrive as best as I can. And you want to know something? When I'm committed to Jesus and he's doing the work through us, it's such an easy float. You just float along. In your survival, you're thriving. Thrivival. We see David as one of the most desperate times of his life in these verses. Here, David trusts God for some big things, and in return, he sees God do the miraculous. And there's so much in the eight verses that Luke read to you, and I find that in Scripture when you go back and you really think through what's actually taking place here, it's even more amazing. Now, I know that many of us in this room have heard these verses taken apart and preached thousands of times, hundreds of times at least, countless times, whatever word you want to put on it. And it is doubtful that I'll have anything to add that you may not already know. But I feel there are some helpful instructions that, if followed, can lead to a more victorious life. I say that because that's my testimony. I also know I'm speaking to some of you people today who are battling some giants. Some of them are secret. But they're giants. You know they're giants. 
and some of them are not secret. And you don't know if you have the strength to keep fighting, but you fight on. See, some of you are facing some very significant giants in your life, and I believe that what I have been given by God to share with you will help you. As we watch David walk into the valley of Elah and face a nine-foot-nine-inch giant, we can see some much-needed instructions about how we can survive when we ourselves are in giant country. And I want to help you today. So as I speak about the subject alive and giant country, I want you to keep two words in the forefront of your mind. Those two words are fully alive. Not just alive, but be fully alive. There are times when my wife and I were present together, and then there's times when we're fully present together. How many of you like to hang out at a campfire with somebody who's on their phone? Fully present, fully alive. That's how we battle our giants. There's three points. I think we might have time for all three. If not, I'll, I'll pick it up tomorrow. I'm not going to keep you guys here until 1130, trust me. Uh, I can't focus when we get close to 11 o'clock, the radio guy in. If you miss a hard break in radio, you're a moron. <laughs> not just for today, forever. Oh, that's the guy that missed the hard break. So that, the timing... Because that's our point number one today. Being fully alive is an issue of timing. Being fully alive is an issue of timing. This day for David began like any other. He plans to tend the sheep. Same things he's done day after day. But this day will be different. Jesse sends David to check on uh, David's three older brothers who are fighting in Saul's army. They've been gone for 40 days. Now, get your mind around this. Countries don't have standing armies back then. Okay, Ordinary citizens would be called by the king to fight. And whoever answered the call would have that status in that culture. So David goes to his brothers as he's commanded. And when he arrives, he finds the armies of Israel in fear because of the taunts of Goliath. Now, also, when you would rally the citizens together, there would be times when they would take a champion from their group to fight the champion of your group. And those two guys would battle, and whichever one died, that was the losing side. So you were really pulling for your champion. It saved a lot of bloodshed, same result. Both kings would have to agree to it, and King Saul was not agreeing to it at this time. Who wants to face nine-foot-nine-inch Goliath? Nobody. And so he would come out and taunt the armies of Israel. And it's just like that. David's day started like countless others, and before the sun went down, David found himself face-to-face with the mighty big giant, and somehow God laid it on David's heart that he was the one that had to go fight. Remember, this is not a grown man. This is a teenage boy. Yes, he's been anointed by Saul, or I'm sorry, by Samuel. His family, his immediate family, probably his little village, they all know that he's supposed to be the next king. And now he comes walking up with sandwiches for his brother, and he's indignant that this giant is defacing the army of the living God. So if we're going to survive in giant country, we need to understand that giants don't just show up. Their appearance is well-timed. Now, from our perspective, they just appear. But from God's perspective, they're all part of his perfect plan for us. And now you're thinking of that giant in your life right now, which is not my giant. It's not your neighbor's giant. It's your giant. And you're like, how can you say that? 
I would not have timed this giant this way. I would have not had this go down this way. Well, God's doing it for a reason, for his sovereign purposes, and sometimes his ways are so far above our ways, we don't really understand. But from God's perspective, they're all part of his plan. Now, if we could ever grasp the truth that coming our way apart from, anything that comes our our way is never apart from God's will. Anything that happens to you, God knows about it. I think if we could just grasp this truth, it would change our attitude towards the giants of life. Put those next passages up, that next slide. I got Romans, Psalm, Job, Jeremiah. Write those references down. They will become real to you, and they will bring great comfort to your heart. See, most of the time we're just like Israel. They'd wandered through the wilderness for two years after they left Egypt. They'd arrived at the banks of the Jordan River. All they had to do was cross the river and take the promised land of blessing that God had already given them. And instead of going in and taking the land, do you remember what they did in Numbers 13? They sent in 12 spies. And the spies looked over the land and came back with their report. Now, 10 of the spies were convinced of Israel's defeat because of the presence of giants in the promised land. Their own words tell the story best in Numbers 13, 23 through 33. The people heeded that negative report of the 10 men, and guess what? They had to spend 38 more years in the wilderness. Here's the point of all that. Did God know about the giants? Could he have removed them before Israel arrived? Did he allow them to be there? The answer to all those questions is yes. Yes, he knew they were there. Yes, he could have removed them. Yes, he allowed them to be there. God wanted Israel to face those giants. Forty years later, when they came back to the Jordan River, guess what? Giants were still there. Still there waiting. Deuteronomy 9, 1 through 3. By the way, this same principle is seen over and over and over in the Bible. The three Hebrews in the furnace in Daniel chapter 3. Daniel himself in the lion's den in chapter 6. Disciples in the storm, Mark 6. God knew about all these events because they were all part of his perfect plan. And I believe that to my core. Even the dude who for 30 years sat at the gate that Jesus would have walked through a bunch of times. And God left him stay a paraplegic for 30 some odd years or 40 some odd years until Peter and James walk through with silver and gold I have none, but with the power of God, pick up your mat and walk. How many of you want to be that guy that waits for 40 years to see God's amazing miracles in your life? God's perfect plan sometimes is not our perfect plan. And here's what I'm trying to tell you. When that giant shows up in your life, it did not get there by accident. It did not get there by accident. The giant is there. The providence of God is there. It's there because God sent it, allowed it, however you want to play it out in your own mind. It's there because God, the God of the universe, the God who offers you forgiveness through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, in his precise timing, wants you to face it when it comes to you. And here's the good news. You don't have to face it in your own strength. And that's the beauty of it. See, when giants come, we can get depressed and defeated. We can realize that they are a tangible symbol of God working out his will in our lives. And this is not the will I wanted. But I know it's God's will. So as a good servant, 
I will suffer through it, and I'll try to find what God's doing, and then all of a sudden, boom, you see it. You see what God's been doing all along. And all of your little whining and complaining makes you feel about this tall or this tall. It's just, we fight ourselves. We fight ourselves to fight our giants. I know that's stupid, but you know it's true. We will fight ourselves to fight our, our giants. We could be like Saul and Israel, and we can hide from our giant. We can be like David, we can face the giant. We can be discouraged, or we can be like Job and worship in spite of what the giant is doing in our lives. The choice is yours, but if we can ever understand that the giants come according to God's timing, it'll help us survive in giant country. There's a lot more of the message left. Let's go to point two. Fully alive is an issue of faith. It's an issue of faith. When David hears the threats and defiance of Goliath, he determines something must be done about this giant. I've talked to some people even today. They're determined to have something done about what's going on with our country. I'm with them. He makes his intentions known in verses 26 through 32. And David sets out to see Goliath defeated. But as soon as David expresses his desire to see the giant defeated, he is met with criticism. Verse 28. Doubt. Verse 33. Yet as we watch David move toward the moment when he will face off against the giant we see that David has learned a few things about the Lord God he serves. The same Lord God you serve. Three things. These could be a message by themselves. Pop them up on the screen. David has learned about God's purposes in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13. David had been anointed king to sit on the throne. David knew he would not die this day. And he also knew if he did die this day, he was in the presence of God. Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. You ever hear it? Fear not. Number two, David has learned about God's protection in verse 34 through 37. David knew that everything God had done in the past, he was still able to do. Would he do it? Not sure, but he's able to do it if he chooses. And number three, David had learned about God's power in 38 and 40. David knew that the victory would not reside in swords, shields, spears, armors, and and all of that, but in the mighty power of God. He would go into this battle with the same God and the same weapons he had used before. Let me tell you, when Saul's trying to put that armor on him and he can't move, there is so much analogy in there rich for us. As religiosity of the past tries to tell us that we have to have this armor on to fight the battle. As, as you know, the structure of our traditions and our heritage, wherever you might come from, these are armor that can hinder us. We're, we're taking all that off and we just want the power of God. Criticize all you want. Doubt all you want. But let me tell you something. If I'm facing down with a giant, I don't care what you say. I only care what God says. And he says, throw off all that stuff, the man-made garbage, and trust me. Trust me. Take your scripture and your prayer, and let's go do some stuff. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. David learned about God's power. In other words, David's trust was not in the army, the armor, or the armaments. David's trust was in Almighty God. And it's right there for us to see for thousands of years. The same God who protected him and gave him his victory and the victory in the hills of Judea over the the bear and the lion would give him victory in the valley of Elah. For David, there was only one giant there that day and his name was not Goliath. 
The only giant David had in his life was Jehovah God. That's the giant that dominates David's life. What a lesson for those of us who face giants. If we could ever learn the same lessons that David learned about fighting giants, we could make short work of them. Here's what you need to know. You need to know God will not save you for some giant to destroy you. God will not change courses in the middle of the stream. And God will never fail those who place their trust in him. Real three, all quick. God did not save you for a giant to destroy. Do you, do you really think God saved you to take you home for glory on the same day? It might be. You do realize that God has a number. And when that last person is saved, that's when the end is supposed to come. That's what a lot of theologians believe. I think the scriptures line up with that concept. I don't put a lot of weight in it because it's going to all pan out the way Jesus wants it to anyway. But he did not save you for some giant to come in and kick the crap out of you. Stand up and fight with what you've been given. You stand firm with the armor of God. You're not aggressive, but if somebody comes in and wants to start swinging, you have the right to aggressively swing back. And that is with the word of God, with prayer, with a peace and a patience and long-suffering, things I'm not that great at. But it's nothing like cutting your teeth on a few giants to help you grow stronger. You can trust God's purposes. God will not change courses in the middle of the stream. Okay? I mean, one of the greatest attributes of the God that we serve, that we come to worship every Sunday, I can't wait for Sundays to come, is because he will not change. It's called immutability. It means unchangeableness. God is the God who cannot change. The God who did all these marvelous, miraculous things we read about in the Bible is the still, still the same God today. I have miracles in my life from 20 and 30 years ago. Multiple stories. No way it could be anything but miracles. And they don't, they, 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 they don't suffice all the way through my life because I forget. It's like you're a bucket, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, but you have all these little pinholes and you leak. Then you bring other sin into your life, you cut that hole a little deeper so it leaks faster. So you got to be refilled. How often? The Bible says daily. Every day, his mercies are renewed each day. Daily in keeping with repentance, says the scripture. So that's what you're doing. You're placing your trust in him. And you got to know God's not going to change in the middle of your game. If he sends you to do something and he changes it up, you got to look for what is God doing in the middle of it. you got to start looking for God on the move. And when you see God on the move in the middle of different people's situations, A, you have more grace for people who are annoying. It's real. It's real. And B, the key, the peace that passes all understanding, it is well with you. It's well with you. See, God never fails those who place their trust in him. But if I placed my trust in God so that I can get this thing right here, which is a, which is a wonderful thing. It's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. This is something most Christians think that they should have. And I want this. And I ask God if I can have this. And he says, no. That's not going to help you fight your giants in your life. In fact, if I give you this, it's going to make you weaker and your giants will beat you. So sometimes we have to actually praise God for our afflictions. Point number three, last point today. Fully alive is a matter of grabbing. Fully alive is a matter of grabbing. Where is your trust when you face the giants in life? 
Is it in man? Is it in the economy? Is it in self? Those will fail you and you will be grappling and grabbing at all kinds of stuff. God says that our survival depends on us to be able to trust him and then he wants us to reach out and take stuff. He wants us to reach out and grab it. Ooh. That doesn't go with my understanding of meek and mild. It's true. There comes a time when the talk must stop and action must begin. The time had come for David to take what had already been given to him by the Lord. He walked down to that valley, faced that giant, declared his faith in God, and slung that stone and sunk that giant. Ancient history says, whether it's true or not, that David sunk that stone right between his eyes about three inches deep. And the dude dropped hard. It's a matter of going after it. God allowed David to do what no one but David believed was even possible. You ever face that? You ever know something so sure in your core, and yet there's people around you telling you you're a fool? Who do you believe? First of all, does it line up with Scripture? You're good to go. Second of all, does it line up with your prayer life? You're still good to go. Third of all, if, is it well with you? You're good to go. Is it well with you if it doesn't happen? You're even more good to go. You follow? Grabbing a hold of what God has for you is a legitimate thing. It's time we stop talking about all we could have in Jesus and just start taking it. David defeated Goliath because he was willing to take what God had given him by faith. The same thing will work in your life and mine today. As we face our giants, we are already promised victory. We are already promised victory. Pop those other scriptures up there. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Jot these down. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Romans 8, 37. Let's take it. How? By doing what David did. What did David do? I, would you like me to condense it down into three nice little points for you? Well, look at what we did. Next slide, please. Place your trust in the Lord. Number two, believe that he can do everything he has ever done. And then number three, then you walk into the valley, you square up with your giant, and you start slinging until it falls. That's the game. That's the deal. I don't know if I, sorry. Some say that David took five stones to kill one giant because he knew he might miss on the first shot and he aimed to keep slinging stones until he had the victory. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I don't believe it. Goliath had four brothers, according to history. And I believe David picked out one sweet stone for each one of them because he knew he wasn't going to miss. Go shooting over at Stephen Boggess' house. You pretty much know dude ain't going to miss very often. Luke, some of these great shots in there. You can ask Cohen. When it came time for me to do the clay pigeons, because my eyes are getting so bad now, I can't see very well. I just tried to aim for the one in the middle, you know. And everybody was shooting 10. I told Cohen, I said, only pull five because I don't want to waste your pigeons. If I don't hit one in the first five, I ain't going to hit one no matter what you do. And I was 0 for 5. But John Blake motivated me because he missed a couple and then he got mad and just fired. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> so I'm telling you right now, if I'm going to face a giant, I want John Blake with me. <laughs> no, he, I think he took a stone for each dude. Look, I used to be able to drive a race car within an inch of a wall, and I, and I knew when I was an inch and a half off. I knew when I was two inches away. 
How can you know that? Because remember the four levels of consciousness? David was unconsciously competent with a sling and a stone. I'll bet you he could walk by and see a bush, you know, 50 yards away and just take a stone and just, I hit it. How many times in a row can I hit it? Oh, I only got seven in a row this time. I bet you he was that good with it. But I also believe he knew he was the next king of Israel and he knew God was going to cover. And all he had to do was just go in there and give it the effort. Isn't that what we do? Authentic Christianity. Isn't that what we do? We take what God has given us We try to work with it as best we can, and then we just go out and sling and leave the results to God. Now, whether you believe or not, you know, whether you want to believe me or not, it makes no difference. I'm going to tell you the truth right now. You, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've been forgiven of your sins, you are a giant killer. You are a giant killer in the faith. Not because you possess any power, but because you serve a God who possesses all the power you will ever need. Not because your aim is good, but because you serve a God who never misses. Not because you deserve anything at all from God, but because he has promised to give you his victory through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So even when I fail and lose on planet Earth, it's not a failure in his sight because we've already won the great victory. Now, I'm going to share a little personal thing here, and this might shock you, but when I played sports as a junior high and high schooler, I had a big mouth. I know. I know. Shy guys like me, it's not normal. And the more you try and try and try, the more competitive you are the more of a poor loser you become because winning is so great. As a youngster, as a competitive person, as a loudmouth, I was a poor loser. I mean, just a poor loser. This truth changed all of that permanently. Now, If I lose at Monopoly, I will just say a few words under my breath, walk to a quiet place, center myself, and come back. Now, I used to do that before, but when I came back, it was because the the board and table had all been turned over into the corner. (laughs) Yeah, like I'm the only one. Come on. See, survival. In our survival, as we face our giants, we can thrive. So I'm just going to bring it home. There's more here, but I think you get the point. You don't deserve anything from God. You don't. I don't deserve anything from God. But you know what he's done? He's made us in his image, then he's promised us stuff, and we, we, we know our Heavenly Father keeps his word. And so because we know we don't deserve his love, because we know we don't deserve his forgiveness, as he gives it to us and as he lavishes it upon us, we rejoice, and we will fight any giant, anytime, anywhere. So today, you can hide in your tent and try to avoid that giant. Maybe he'll just go away. He won't. 
Look at verses 3 and 25 of the chapter outline for you today. By the time the 40th day had arrived, Goliath had already crossed the valley and was starting up the mountainside to the camp of Israel. If you don't know the story, as you read it in the scriptures, I'd encourage you to. But Goliath would come out and taunt the army of Israel every day, and every day he'd come a little bit closer. Now he's coming up the other side of the valley. In other words, you know, you guys are so weak. You are so weak and so lame. I bet David was embarrassed. I bet Eliab was embarrassed that they had a king hiding in his tent while this guy kept coming up the hill. Your giant won't go away. He's coming up your hill. He's going to get closer and closer, and eventually he will defeat you if you do nothing. One thing, you, you can say whatever you want about me, but do nothing, non-confrontational. Somebody who's going to sit in the corner and suck his thumb is not me. I got other problems you got to deal with, but I ain't going to sit in the tent and cry that we're being defeated by Goliath. We have a God who will defeat these giants. Your giant won't just go away. Your giant will not be content to do nothing. He will take over your life if he can. And for guys, don't kid yourself. The number one thing coming after you is pornography. Run from it. Save yourself. Oh, Chris, you're such a prude. No, I'm talking about real Mental, emotional, social problems come to men who abuse pornography. I don't say so. These guys give their testimonies of that. And if that's the giant you need to slay in your life, you now just watched a youth pastor get installed that'll sling stones right alongside with you. There's a lot of us that'll sling stones right alongside with you. Many of you are struggling with relationship problems. Go to the, go to the Lord, give it to him. Go to the Lord. Sometimes slinging that stone is this position right here. You follow? You can get up, go out and meet that giant in your faith, and the God of the battles will be with you. That's the recipe for victory in the war against the giants of life. Now, if you need to do a little giant killing today, you come to the foot of the cross. And if you need somebody to stand there and sling stones with you and pray with you, that's what I am here for. Please, don't miss this. I believe, and my wife believes, that the God of heaven sent us to Harlan, Iowa for one purpose. What is that purpose? You will tell me. I don't know what my purpose is for you and my relationship is for you, but you will tell me what my role is supposed to be just when I talk to you. I see it. This last couple of weeks, I've watched God on the move pretty much every day. We had God on the move this morning. Asked Larry, Gavin, or Ross. They happened to be the elders that were in my vision when this was about to go down today. Things are happening. And I want you to be here at Fresh Encounter knowing that the God of the angel armies has us, is protecting us, is providing for us, and we are going to face giants together in the name that is above all names, Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I got nothing. I got nothing left but to serve you. And you want us here. You want us here to share. You want us here to watch. You want us here to encourage. You want us here to minister. And it is so awesome to see how you're moving in lives of people who've already slayed giants and those of us who are going to slay some more. We love you, Lord Jesus. Be with each person here today as they go out to fight. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the teaching ministry of my husband, Chris Danielson. BibleIdiots.com is still the website for this show, but we have grown. The new parent ministry is found at FreshRoadMedia.com. We would love to have you join us on our sister broadcast, a talk show that walks out Christian living and Bible apologetics entitled No Apology with Emily and Chris, a weekly download from FreshRoadMedia.com. Both broadcasts are listener-supported, and we would love to have you join us as the Lord leads. I'm Emily Danielson, and thank you so much for spending some time with us today. And may you see the blessings of the Lord as you go and serve your King.